Today, I thought to myself, how the heck am I supposed to introduce Jackie Dover? Nothing that I can say can do justice to her reputation, her resume. So, what I ended up doing was throwing a bunch of random rhyming words together in the few minutes that I had. And I hope it's uh, (laughs) funny to say the least. Here we go. Jackie Dover. You can't contain her. From the NBL to the NBA. What more do I have to say? She's the first indigenous female NBL referee. Oh my goodness. Crikey. She gives some incredible advice and this one's so nice. You'll have to listen twice. Alright guys, that's all I had. (laughs) Enjoy the episode. Quick note for all my referees on the sunny coast or anyone who comes up here. Boy, do I have a sponsor for you. It's the Recovery Room located at the Sports Hub in Warana. It's an absolute staple in my week. I genuinely go most days. And because of what I'm about to tell you, the real question is, who wouldn't? Picture this. Normatec compression therapy. Boots, arms, whatever strikes your fancy. Sit on those bad boys for 20 minutes. Quick caution on those ones, you may enter a state of happiness. After this, detoxify in a high-quality infrared sauna for another 20 minutes before finally not bomb diving into the hot and cold spas to get that contrast to work its magic. A little bonus before you go, feel free to hang out in the mobility zone with acupressure mats, trigger point guns, the works. I believe in this with my whole heart. I've been a customer for over a year Make sure when you rock up, speak to the amazing staff and just relish in the results. They are at Recovery Room AU on Instagram and just the Recovery Room on Facebook. The woman of the hour, Jackie Dover, is also a sponsor of the podcast. I did this one live with Jackie, so here we go. Today's podcast is brought to you by JD8 Official. You can get all your merch from JD8 Official website. You got key rings, water bottles, shirts, face masks, whistles, pretty much everything you want. So head over to www.jd8official.com. And now for an uninterrupted podcast with JD8 herself. G'day, Jackie. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for having me. No worries, no worries. So um, it's been a long time coming. Yes, um, we've done very well to not do this in a fast fashion at all. (laughs) Honestly, like, before I even began this podcast, I ran the idea by Jackie. Like, oh, maybe should I do it? And she was like, give me the confidence for it. I was like, oh, you're going to be my first episode, my first guest. (laughs) Here we are, like, a year later. But, uh, but yeah, I'm glad to have you here. So I just want to start, just introduce yourself and give us a bit of background on your journey to where you are today. Um, So I guess for me... uh... To get to the refereeing part probably stems from growing up around basketball. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gold Coast basketball was basically our second home, I think, as a kid. Um, but yeah, grew up playing down there. Um, spent most days at the stadium. Actually got into refing when I was about 12 or 13 um, with Tommy. Um, got a, my best mate and I a whistle. Got us earning some pocket money while we were there. Nice. Um, and then I only refed for a couple of years at the start. Um wasn't really my calling I thought playing was which I now know wasn't mm-hmm. um, but also moved out of home uh, at 15 up to Townsville to try a playing career um, mm. for the state league up there with the dream of hopefully playing for the Townsville Fire um, I think I did nearly everything but play for them <laughs> <laughs> I worked for them wow. uh, I referee them now um, so yeah I didn't quite do that playing yeah. part but probably still jumped on the score court. bench or something did you yeah stats all that did type everything. of stuff so crazy yeah. Um, but yeah so I, I actually stopped refing when I moved to Townsville um, I like to say I peaked in high school with my playing um, mm. and became that player <laughs> that we as referees don't like <laughs> yeah <laughs> wow um, did you yes so you started refereeing when you were 12 or 13 Yep. So you'd been introduced to the realm of refing, how hard it can be, dealing with conflict. Then you turn into a player after refing? Or you, you were playing first? Playing. You grew up around basketball. Yeah. So it was both. That's yeah. how it happens for most. So you'd started refing early, then you went full player, and you became an asshole player. 
Yeah, so I played the whole the whole time going up, moved out. Yeah, and then I was I was still refing in Townsville a little bit, um, just because moving out of home, it's nice to have some extra pocket money. Got you. Um, but yeah, in like A grade uh, up at Townsville or or state league in my limited minutes, I was getting on. Um, so probably more of a bench warmer, yelling mm. at the refs. Nice. Um, yeah, I was that turd out on the court in A grade and under twenty threes and whatnot that knew everything. Wow. Um, and so I stopped rapping because I was getting very <laughs> aggressive. And not so much like going out and wanting to fight him or anything. It was more like it was... Being a smartass? No, it was more like a frustration inside of me. Ah, like getting got you. fouls and I'm like, that's oh, not a foul. Knew... Or like yeah. I knew the rules. I knew everything. Yeah. <laughs> being a... As we all do. Yeah. <laughs> being a B-grade referee, clearly. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I stopped the refing. Um, it was just probably too much frustration for me trying to mm. get court time. That was probably a build-up of frustration, not getting yeah. what I was, had my goals as, um, and I'm not very good at not winning, um, so I guess <laughs> not getting caught time is a, a... I know all about that. <laughs> ...bit of a step back, yeah. Um, so yeah, I stopped refing and then just stuck with the playing, um, tried to pursue that, uh, and then got really, really good at bench warming um, mm. in State League, and then a couple of injuries and whatnot actually led me back to refing to... Um, I thought if I just referee while I'm doing my rehab for my shoulder, mm. um, then I'm on the court. Got you. Staying Stay fit, around the game. And then, yeah, mm-hmm. kind of turned out that that was the better option and I actually mm. really enjoyed it. Mm, nice. Wow. So, like, do you find you still get as frustrated? So, being in a referee now, I guess it's less competitive or you still have such a competitive drive? Cause still competitive, yeah. Still really competitive, huh? Yeah. 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 Um... Yeah, for me, yeah, personally, I think that's more of an internal or like a com- competition with myself type thing. Trying to set higher goals, trying to... You think that's driven you to where you are right now? Yeah, yeah. definitely, I think. I think um, I also, like, I like, if it's a board games night, I like winning. So when I'm, I'm doing well at something, I enjoy it, so I want to do it more. I got a question, <laughs> I got, I got a question for you, Jackie, and I need you to be honest. All right. Have you ever cheated in Dutch Blitz? No. <laughs> <laughs> You're kidding me. That's, you know I don't. You know I'm I a know you win every time. Yeah, and I don't I'm know good. why. Okay. For everyone listening, Nathan's not very good at this card game. <laughs> Clearly, he's still upset about a championship he lost in it. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> um, yeah, no, that's great. Thanks for summing that up. So, where where are you trying to go now? Where are you trying to? Where's refing? going for you now uh hopefully nba nba um so are there are there certain like milestones (laughs) and things that you want to go across uh as you go like do you have maybe some some goals that you set out in your mind or is it all just kind of like trial and error like make it up as you go but the ultimate goal is like just sitting there nba do you know what i mean the ultimate goal is to be a a full-time staff member for the nba um what get a 15 20 year career career out of it would be pretty awesome um the steps to get there i definitely have my goals around the time frame i'd like to do mm. it in um and that's going to be based around my performance and how well i can adapt mm. sorry uh, mm. adapt and uh, get used to that system i know being here i'm still a rookie in the nbl so i figure um if i can get over to the states and and make it to the G League, make it to the NBA, mm. um, then that's one option. Um, and look, if I go over and for some reason it doesn't work out that yeah. way, then hopefully I can come back here and, and uh, get mm. back on the panel for the NBL and make a really long career out of it here. Love it. What What made you want to go for the NBA? Because you've got like 90%, I don't know what percentage it is, but I don't know anyone else who's grown up in Australia, gone through the system and then decided... They want to. Is there any NBA Australian NBA referees? I don't think there is. No, no. no. What like why? What makes you want to go to the NBA and not just follow what everyone else has always done? I respect it, but I just want to know why. <laughs> well, I like now I'm in a different position, so I'm now employed with the NBL as a part time referee. Mm. That wasn't the case when I started looking at this option. Mm. Um, but even now, full timers here the. The wage is not the same. The NBA mm. wage to be a full-time referee. So you get to ref the best athletes yeah. in the world. With Madison Square Garden, yeah. Staples Center, all that type of stuff. You, that's your job. You're getting paid to do it. So that, for me, when I realized 
Can't I be. am progressing as a referee. Yeah. Um, I always like to set really high expectations of myself, and it's kind of just paying off, I guess. But um, I guess growing up uh, as a player, the aim was to do WNBL, but it, it's some capacity, and there was college basketball and that type of thing. Like mm. you always want to go travel, yeah. play, yeah. do your sport, and explore another country. So I guess that's part Maybe. of it as well. So I get, like you've probably had that as well, where you're trying to get to college and. Mm. It's a pretty cool thing if you were Absolutely. able to go do that experience. Absolutely, yeah. For me, it's like no-brainer decision. Mm. But I was just curious about how you felt about it all. I googled it. <laughs> <laughs> if that's a yeah part of it as well, like around how do I do that? Because I was talking to Sandy uh, Brondello, the the Opals coach mm. at the camp. I was just repping some of their scrimmages yeah. at the Gold Coast Stadium. Cool. Um, a couple of years back, and I just was asking her. I said, "Oh, how do, like how does the referee stuff work over there? Like, what's their pathway? Because mm. our pathway is pretty clear. Mm. Um, Basketball Australia and NBL, WNBL, all that do quite a good job to go. This is the pathway to to do what you want to do if you want to get to the top. Mm. Um, so yeah, I just googled it and just did a bit of research and That's awesome. just put myself out there. So love it. What uh, what kind of was the pathway into? So for example, we've got a lot of young refs now. You're building a bit of a, a uh, I don't know, name for yourself. And people are recognizing that you're coming through and now you're going to the NBA. And I, I know personally of young officials who really admire that and may want to follow in those footsteps. What kind of steps can you take or what steps did you take? What's the kind of the pathway being an Australian referee? What is it? Do you start refing um, uh, NBL 1 and then you try and get on WNBL and NBL and then... What do you have to do? What were some of the, the things you did to get over there? Um, so the the NBA have scouts that work for them full time. Mm-hmm. So over there, if you're working college or high school and whatnot, um, the scouts can actually just pick you up from, from a game and just That's have amazing. a chat to you and whatnot and say, hey, we like how you work in the game out there um, and whatnot. Um, they have a, an officiating uh, website, like a profile page, mm-hmm. Um, and that's actually what I found when I Googled. Um, so it said anyone can create a profile. I went, oh, well, I'm anyone. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you can jump on there, um, create your profile. So you put put in stuff about yourself, your your experience. Um, it's definitely um, like states-based. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it you kind of had to just like fiddle around and make it clear that I wasn't from there. Mm. Um, you do that. There are things around like... Um, any like charities, work experience, uh, like mm. volunteer work, all that type of stuff. Mm. But you create your profile. Um, so I just did that uh, after that chat with Sandy when I Googled. Wow. Um, did that. And then I think it might have been a couple of months later, they sent out to uh, clearly the database out of that profile mm-hmm. um, to apply to attend a camp in Chicago. So mm. it's uh, what they call the national tryouts. Yep. So there's a, a fair few different ways that you can get picked up. So like the scouts can yep. recognize you through high school, um, college, yep. uh, pro AMs, uh, camps. So they do, so similar to what I did with Sunny Coast around coming and delivering a camp, they have referees over there, like um, current or ex-NBA officials mm. and whatnot that run camps. And mm-hmm. then some of the scouts actually go there and then they can see referees and whatnot. Awesome. Um, so the national tryouts is another area that you can get picked up from. Mm-hmm. Um, so I uh, filled out the application that the link that they sent, um, and then I remember screenshotting it. I'm pretty sure I sent it to Adam, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "Haha, just did this," <laughs> being like, "Oh yeah, good, good dreaming. That yeah. never happened. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, why not? If the link's there, wow. I'll fill it out." Um, and then I think three or four weeks before the camp was on, I got an email to say, you're one of 40 selected. Wow. Um, yeah, and so it turned out there was like four, and over 450 applicants that... 450? That applied to go to the camp and 40 of us were selected. Wow. So Yeah. Um, and it began. So that's kind of, yeah, how I got there. So it wasn't so much me being identified or anything like that. I guess I could cool. put myself out there. Um, but yeah, that, that anyone can create a profile. So that's I, awesome. I guess young officials coming through and whatnot, you can do that now if you want. Amazing. Um, but I think it's definitely getting the experience yeah. that you want here. Like, it's a different rule book, it's a different mechanics, mm. that type mm-hmm. of stuff over there, um, which is something I'm going to have to adapt with, but it's around just mastering what you're doing here. Yeah. So getting good at the league you're working here, yep. leveling Build up and that type of thing. Yeah. Make sure that you're repping the highest levels, mm. things like that. I'm sure that all helped. I'm sure your resume was... 
Well, at the Amazing. time, I had uh, only worked the women's grand final for what is now NBL 1. Only. Um, <laughs> wow, that's amazing. So I was still early on, like this is two, three years ago. Wow. So, hmm. Awesome. You know, what What did it take? Because a lot of people, they'll look at something like that and be like, oh yeah, I want to go to the NBA. I want to ref NBL. And, you know, they don't really probably understand really the commitment it takes, really the sacrifices. I just want to know your story and what kind of things you've had to do, um, things you've had to deal with in order to get where you are. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. I think in, um, probably not sacrifice, but to start off with in an in adjustment point of view. Mm-hmm. I think playing, uh, having played, mm-hmm. um, and when I say played, I say that really lightly. <laughs> so played at, at a club level a lot and rep, um, and then clearly not so much state league. Yep. Um, <clears throat> having played helped me in that first couple of years to be able to transition. I was that player that knew it, all the rules and then I started refing. I was like, I know no rules. Wow. Like I have a lot of mm-hmm. learning to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but the adjustment from the, the player to the ref side is, I guess the biggest um, shock for me was the uh, being okay with being the ref, if that makes sense. Like applying the rules, uh, managing the game in a way that is going to service it. But knowing that most of the time, like the frustration I had towards the ref wasn't ever an individual ref. Mm. It was the stripes. It was that type of thing. So I guess for me, like there's a lot of girls, uh, girls, a lot of women that play in the WNBL and whatnot that I played high school with, I played rep with, um, and that will completely go off about a call at me, Mm. um, which is fine. Mm -hmm. I used to do that. Mm. Um, But I think, yeah, just being okay with that was the biggest adjustment. By that, do you mean like kind of embracing your role as a referee? Mm. And not saying like, oh, no, I'm, I'm just a player, I'm just here for fun kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's, it's embracing like, it and enjoying it. But yeah. then also Taking being okay that yeah. nearly every single call we make, 50% of the people aren't going to be okay. Got you. Yeah, So you've absolutely. got to be okay. And I guess that's probably another question or conversation we can talk about. Yeah, <laughs> is, um, yeah everyone thinks you're wrong, so that's fine. But you've got to mm. have the uh, ability to kind of put it aside and not be offended by it, mm. not take it personally. Yeah. So that's probably the biggest adjustment. Sacrifice-wise, I guess to sum it up, uh, most of my mates understand, and I guess my circle's probably gone smaller since becoming a referee because yep. a lot of people didn't quite understand the, the sacrifices you have to make. Yep. Uh, if it's in season, um, which is pretty much what... Every, every... 90% of the year, <laughs> yeah. uh, that if it's in season, that my answer will most likely be no for doing stuff. Mm. Um, so having birthday celebrations. Um, Unless it's like go to the gym. <laughs> yeah. It's so, like, yes. Yeah, if you want to hang out, let's go watch a game together or let's go to the gym or yeah. that type of thing. But yeah, that's probably the biggest sacrifice. I think for me, I chose to, to make those sacrifices mm. to commit to my goals. Yeah. Um, and it's easier when you're kind of getting into state league and you're getting that momentum to mm. have that drive. But I guess at the start, like I came in at 21, 22, so it was a bit easier for me. Um, when you're kind of trying to juggle uni school, uh, whatever it is, with your refereeing, it can be hard. So mm. you just got to kind of have your priorities in place because uh, you you have to sacrifice stuff if mm. you're wanting to get to the top. And it doesn't have to be a bad thing. I yeah. I never look back on it now and go, mm. oh, damn, I wish I went to that 21st birthday party. For real, yeah. It doesn't bother Absolutely. me. Absolutely, like, yeah, I feel you on that. I'm going to have coffee and have more quality time with people anyway yeah. at a party or that yeah. type of thing. Um, that's awesome. So, yeah, that's probably one of the big sacrifices. I think the other one is <laughs> financial sacrifice. Yeah, tell us about it, you know, because pe- <laughs> people don't want sacri- to invest in themselves. Yeah. Like, uh, what kind of financial sacrifices have there been? You don't have to go into detail if you don't want to, but uh, just like, what are some things that you've invested in financially that's cost you money? Travel, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, definitely. The first couple of years of State League being based in Townsville, mm. we had the home games there, obviously, and then um, if we were needed in Cairns and Mackay, that was obviously covered by QBL or MBL1. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I wanted to... Oh, you know, I'm not a very patient person. I'm a pretty competitive person. So yeah, definitely. I was I was told, um, and I didn't agree with it at the time, that I need the experience, I need to just get games under my belt um, and whatnot. But I, in my head, I was like, well, I'm doing well in the games I'm doing, so can I not move up to men's and that type of thing? It was good advice. I'm just clearly very impatient. 
Um, oh, I've had to have the same advice told to me. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, yeah, I don't know whether I, I think want to I do told that. it to you. Yeah. You have to tell it to me. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. Um, but yeah, so in the first couple of years, I would, uh, my family's based in Gold Coast, Brisbane. So mm. I would say that I was, I was down visiting family if uh, I could be of use on games. Wow. So I think one season I flew down eight or nine times out of my own pocket to wow. uh, just have a va- just to be available. So wow. for me it was a it was a sacrifice of financial whatever. I'll probably make half of it back in game payments. But and a it's... I get to see my family, but b that uh, that's getting me games. So I went yeah. from uh, I think my first season I worked four games. Yeah. Um, and then the next year I worked twenty something. Wow. In state league, so that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Just to be available, I was getting yeah. double headers when I was doing that. So wow. Um, yeah, that Smart. one. I guess yeah. that like that tryouts in Chicago was all out of my own pocket. Wow. Um, yep. That type of thing, but it's paid off now. Yeah. So I guess at the time it's not great spending yeah. thousands of bucks, but it's better. Yeah. When it, it was that off. that was that the all in moment that happened for you? The like what when was that moment where you were like I'm going all in on this when you invested in that trip to Chicago? No, it pro- like in terms of refereeing and committing to it, it probably Actually, happened. Yeah, go with that. Probably happened within the first six months. Of refing? Oh, when I came back, yeah, from injury. Wow. Um, so I dislocated my shoulder the back end of one NBL one season. Yeah. Uh, I was on the court for like two minutes, dove on the ball, dislocated my shoulder, and then that was my uh, <laughs> my season on and done. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was and then, fault. No. <laughs> just dive for the ball. They always Got tell you. you to do that. Ends in... No. no. Um, yeah, so I guess that was like my out for my ego to except that I wasn't going to make it mm. as a player. Um, but yeah, I started just refing back at Townsville and then there was an under-18s tournament and mm. I went to that, so I was sent to Div 2. Um, and I went, yeah, okay, like I'll go, that's cool. Went there, didn't know what a pregame was. I had signals that looked like I was coming out of the ghetto, that type mm. of thing. One of the refs <laughs> coaches told me that. Um, and then I finished that week, I went, oh, that was, like I really enjoyed that. Um, so I got back to Townsville um, and I pretty much said, to um, our supervisor up there, I said, all right, I'll, I'll give it a crack. Like, I don't want to be working 20 games a week of um, court five games type thing, but I've clearly got to prove to you that I can be on the A-grade games and whatnot, but I'm, I'm committing to it. Like, I'm, mm. I'm not going to play anymore. Mm. Um, so I emailed our state manager at the time and whatnot. So I sat the state grade course mm-hmm. in April that year. Mm. Um, did the under-16s, and then I started on QBL a wow. few weeks later. So crazy. Yeah, I guess for me, it was that commitment of, okay, I can accept that I'm not going to be a player, Mm -hmm. um, but now I've got something else to kind of go for. So I was all in for refing, I think, and that's where all the the sacrifices and stuff started to come in play. Cool. Um, And then for the NBA stuff, that was always, if I ever got a shot on anything, yeah, okay, cool. Mm. So I started Mm. um, a design business back there just to, if I did get an opportunity to go over and ref, then I had some other income. Wow. And then JD8 has been... The way I developed it and designed it was with the goal. At the time, I didn't really tell tell anyone, but the way it's structured is for me to be based in the states, but work uh, with officials here. Yeah, of course, so, that's yeah. amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> well done. <clears throat> I want to kind of venture into a bit more of the the nitty gritty of being a ref and in game stuff. So I want to talk about real quick because because now we've heard a, a lot about your story and things like that. How big of a role is mindset in all of this, refing itself, and what kind of things have you implemented or investments have you made, anything like that, to allow yourself to be at the mental you know, strength and, and confidence that you have today? I think it's a huge role. Yeah. I actually put, More than physical? Yeah, like we need to be fit. We need to be able to keep up with the game. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at tape from me, not the preseason for NBL, just then the one before. Yeah. Um, there was a couple of times I was beaten in transition and I wasn't happy with that. So uh. I think the the physical aspect of it, you got to look the part. We're athletes too when we're out there. Um, I have more faith as a player if the referee looks fit and mm. is out there making True. calls and stuff. It's all about kind of your presentation. Absolutely. Um, but the mindset, I think, is what's going to take you from one level to the next mm. um, and make you kind of stand out in a way of going... Like, I can handle the pressure. Mm. I can handle what comes with the role. Mm. Um, I know I've gone through it. Nearly every referee I spoke to goes through it as well in terms of the you finish a game and you go, I don't even know why I do this. Like, it's mentally yeah. taxing. That was mm. horrible. I was yelled at. Mm. I made a good call. I know I'm right. 
Mm. My partner knows I'm right, but we seem to be the only ones that think that type thing. Mm. So that mental side of it is huge. Um, I kind of took it a lot more seriously two or three years ago. Mm -hmm. I finished a state league season. um, And any time I was um, put in a a crew chief spot on a men's game for Mm. NBL1, I would like just mentally psych myself out. For no real reason. Like, mm. I remember one pre-game, the crew was myself, Mark Mill, yep. and Vaughn, who were both wow. and yeah, well rest. you would suck And I was crew chief. <laughs> and naturally, I was like, well, clearly, I'm not going to be... I'm not actually the crew chief on this game. Like, I've got two NBL refs. I'm not even NBL. I think I might have been one season in WNBL. Yeah. Um, so the conversation you'd think would be pretty straightforward for a pre-game. They know what they're doing. Mm. I should know what I'm doing. It was just like I was stressing. I always write my pre-games out anyway, but mm-hmm. I was like, what if I say something dumb? Wow. What if I don't talk about something I should have spoken about? Like I just really yeah. mentally psyched out. Yep. Um, so that happened a few times across that season. Yep. And any time I was crew chief, um, more so on the men's game, coming into timeouts or finishing the game, I'm like, we were horrible. Wow. Like we should have been so much better. This happened, that happened. Rah, rah, rah. And then you watch it back and you're like, Oh, okay, like it's not as bad as it right. felt when I finished the game, but yep. mentally, finishing every game, I was real. Nah, that was horrible. I just refed terribly. Rah, rah, rah. Mm. Um, and I don't think it necessarily affected my performance yep. as such, but it was how I was feeling. I wasn't okay. Yeah. Um, and we do the end of season stuff all the time, uh, like a call with Vaughn yep. um, to talk about your season. Mm-hmm. And he's usually, all right, what do you got for me? I said that about the crew chief stuff and mentally psyching out and I was like, I'm not okay with it. Um, I actually start training next week with a lady based out of the States to to work on that and to be comfortable in that position because mm. I, I want to be NBL, I want to be FIBA, I want to be all that. Yep. So I'm going to have to address this part that I'm not okay with. Yep. Um, and he said, okay, cool. That's pretty much what I had for you. Um, and then we spoke about like performance and all that sort of yeah. stuff. But he goes, yep, you can tell that or... Yep. Um, so, not, so, so the biggest thing you had for yourself at that time was to work on your mind, mm. would you say? I had not done any form of mindset training. Yep. I didn't really give it too much thought. Pre-game was probably, oh yeah, we're good. we definitely have to do a good pre-game. You mm. do your warm-up, all that type of stuff. But at no point, uh, and probably even through playing, like you do goal setting and that type of stuff. But yep. I don't think I ever set, like did proper mindset skill training or yeah. sports performance training. Just a lot of like superficial stuff. Yeah, like really. mental stuff. Yeah. Um, so I actually was working for Gold Coast at the time, living up here in the sunny coast. Mm-hmm. So a two-hour drive down, found a podcast that addressed how I was feeling. Yeah. Um, so I just like looked sports psychology yeah. podcast, listened yep. to one, and the lady that was a guest speaker on it um, is a she's based out of LA, works with players in the NFL, NBA, wow. referees, that type of stuff. Mm. Um, so I just emailed her, like googled her, looked her up, yep. emailed her. Do you work with international people, whatnot? And I yeah. A couple of grand later. Um, yeah. I've got some tools in my bag now for mental nice. stuff. There's a lot of stuff I implement now that I really rely on regardless of what game mm-hmm. it is um, to mentally be okay. So like mental imagery, um, I do like a controllable, uncontrollable exercise with myself every couple of months mm. just to kind of check in with mm. myself where I'm at. Um, I have a mental routine. So like when we're doing warm up, people usually have the same way that they'll get ready for a game mm. or pack their bags. Like yeah. your uniform is yep. a set way or you put left so all that type of stuff. Yep. That's kind of like a consistent your routine. Yeah. yeah. So now I implement mental side of that as yeah. well. So, um, so I usually either type it on my notes or this season, I thought it'd be cool. Uh, the book you gave me. Oh, oh really? Yeah. That notebook. <laughs> awesome. Um, I'm writing down, uh, stuff that I'm focusing on for that game. That's awesome. And a little kind of, I don't know, like a mantra or something, mm. a focal point for me for that game. Yeah. Um, like game one was enjoy it. Like wow. game one, round one, NBL, mm-hmm. get to do the opening game down in Tassie, their first so game. It's a pretty cool atmosphere. Congrats. Um, <laughs> thanks. I'm not overly experienced in NBL. I've mm-hmm. done not even a full hand of games. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, I've got to actually enjoy the journey, but mm. have that. I've got that expectation to mm. go out there and perform. Mm. But yeah, send it, writing stuff down and yeah, reflecting as well. So finish a game, mm. write down how I was feeling after the game, that type of stuff. So yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. Um, so take us through real quick. Let's just go in depth on one of these. I really like the idea of the simplicity with the uncontrollables, controllables one. Mm. How can a referee implement this into themselves? so that they can make themselves a better referee going out on the court? Or- you start away from the court. Like anything that happens during the day, yep. um, I like to ask myself, can I control this? Mm-hmm. Whatever the situation is or whatever's happened, 
anytime I feel overly excited, uh, frustrated, mad, mm-hmm. uh, fatigued, anything like that, any feeling that's not a normal level for myself or anything that happens that I put energy into mm-hmm. is, can I control this? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, if someone cool. doesn't flick their indicator on at the roundabout or mm. nearly crashes into you but you mm. it didn't happen or mm. when you get mad and you're like, oh my God, like be a better driver, rah, rah, rah. Mm. That energy right there is just useless. Yeah. Like, but my wife's definitely going to disagree with this. I probably have more road rage than she likes. Wow, yeah. Um, but can you control that situation? Well, no. Yeah, it starts with the habit of just recognizing it in everyday life and then mm. it kind of becomes uh, a bit of a, a habit in your mind, I guess, once you're out on the court, would you say? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Like things like, so relating it to basketball is, um, can you control how a player or a coach is behaving? Yeah. No. What mm-hmm. you can control is how you're going to communicate and respond back to that. So that work there, you're not going to get better at if you're not addressing it away from the court. Mm-hmm. So having tools in place, or if you make an error, mm-hmm. I can't control that the error is done now. Mm-hmm. What I can control is making sure I don't compound that and mm-hmm. do another error from fixating on that mm-hmm. error. You can address mm-hmm. that after the game. Mm-hmm. If you need to address it in with your team, anything like that, that's fine. But I can't control that I've made the error or that my partner's made an error or anything like that. What I can control is the next play. Gotcha. So I can control where I'm standing on the court, what I'm looking at, how am I calm, do I need to take a breath, that type of thing. Like mm-hmm. anytime I'm running to lead, call right or wrong, anything like that, I get to lead, I tell myself who is on defense and I find the gap. Mm. So black's on D, I can see the defenders and the gaps and now I'm in a position that I can mm. actually address what's happening. But I, I take that. a breath, that type mm. of stuff, so... Well, yeah, that's that's a perfect segue into the next kind of the question I wanted to ask you, and I, I guess you've all almost answered it, but I find a lot of referees struggle on the mental side when you're in-game, and often it is things out of your control, but um, it plays with your mind, right? So, for example, you make a bad call, someone starts yelling at you, something, like, even if you know in yourself, you're like, oh, I made a mistake there, almost the instinctual thing to do is be like, oh, I messed that up oh man, I'm doing so bad, I suck. Like That's what a lot of people tell themselves. I, I did that for a long time, especially when I was playing. I was like, oh, I just missed that shot. Hell, I'm not shooting the rest of this game because I'm scared that I'm going to compound the mistake or something like that. What kind of goes through your mind when you make a bad call? How's your self-talk? Um, you, do, you, do you find, first of all, do you find it affects it affects you when, yeah, when you make a bad call? I don't yep. like making an error. Of course, yep. it affects me. <laughs> and so, how do you how do you deal with that? Um, so, I guess uh, we actually did training on this not too long ago this mm-hmm. season for NBL. So, yep. firstly, whether you're working under eights, under sixteens, NBL, we all go through it, and mm-hmm. it's all something that we need to continuously work on. So, I think being okay that we're going to make errors. Yep, it's going to happen. We're human. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, if we we're perfect, you'd probably be able to replicate what we do out on the court. You wouldn't need us. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we make the mistake, it's kind of that uh, mindset of being, It we need to address it. We need to identify that you're feeling how you're feeling because if mm. we don't identify that, and the sooner we can identify that, the better it is. Mm. So if you're realizing that it's in your mind, then you can kind of move on from it faster. But I guess a, a really simple thing that I took out of the session we did for MBO the other week was I don't usually make that mistake. Um, so like just a, like that's fine. I don't usually mm-hmm. make that mistake. I'm going to move on next play mm-hmm. or next next job is yeah. what the term we're using at the moment gotcha. is next job. Yeah, I like it. It's kind of that controllable thing I just spoke about before mm. is it's happened. Um, mm. We can't do anything about it now. What I need mm. to make sure is I'm not then making another error because mm. if I make one error and two errors, it's going to have a domino effect mm. and it's just going to keep happening. So mm. acknowledging that, yeah, okay, I've made an error. That's fine. Now, next job. Don't worry about that. I can address it after the game. But I think that's probably the simple way to go about it is next job. What Mm -hmm. I need to do now to make sure, and it's not even to make sure you don't do an error again because then you're still fixated on that error. Yeah. It's what I need to focus on to get the next play right. So whether it's a call or no call, uh, a good out-of-bounds call, that type of thing, Mm. you just need to self-pump yourself up. No one Mm. else is going to go out there and pat you on the back as a ref. Yeah. (laughs) So your next call you make, awesome call. Yeah. Exactly. Well, a nice strong whistle. It's kind of like that first call of the game, how you mm. want that confidence. Mm. you got to do that after every error that you make. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. I like it. It's almost like you got to 
realize that your job as a referee is going to entail people that are not going to like you. You're, and like going into a game, I'm probably going to get yelled at. I'm probably going to make a mistake. And how I'm going to respond from this is recognize, was this is this in my control in this moment? If it's not, because you can't control the past, then move forward. Would you say that's a... Yeah, definitely. A summary. And we, we can't control the crowd. We can't control mm. the reactions. That's how yep. we got um, processes in place to address behavior that needs to be addressed from players and coaches and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's a matter of, I'm not going to let them vent. Mm. Not, if, not if it's out of line, obviously, but if someone's frustrated, I'm just going to let them have their bit of frustration. Mm-hmm. Or, hey, what's your question? Yep. Or, hey, come have a chat. I guess I try to always relate in situations that aren't, leading into a warning or a technical foul, ones that we can kind of um, come in and, and assist the situation, so de-escalate mm. it where we mm. can. You start to see a player's missed a couple of shots or they've had a couple of calls on them and you can see they're frustrated. You're doing the free throws. Hey, man, all good? We yeah. all good? Or you, mm. got any, any, you got a question? Or, hey, that last one, this is why we called it or something like that Yeah. to kind of de-escalate before it gets to the position of a technical foul. That's awesome. But, yeah, it's a... Being that player that got mad at refs, I tried to level with the players and coaches like that where I can yeah. um, to go hey I understand what you're feeling we're all human it's an emotional game yeah um, so just trying to help them through that as well wow awesome I, I really like what you said there because this is obviously in terms with dealing with that conflict the key the key thing that stuck out to me what you said just then was like hey I understand how you're feeling hmm. because you know a, a lot of these time they just want to express their frustrations yeah yeah and um, if they feel like they've been acknowledged and heard would you say that's you know, the situation's probably going to be diffused. Yeah, mo- well, hopefully most yeah. times it is. But it's yeah. even a, hey, I understand you're frustrated. I understand mm. why you're getting frustrated. Yep. I can't have you yell at me like that, though. Do you mm. have a question or how, mm. like, can I help? Got you. That type of thing. I like so, it. So I understand your frustration. I'm addressing your behavior is mm-hmm. not okay or you can't do that. That's not fine. Yeah. But let's have a chat. Mm. So it's kind of that type of thing. You think about it in everyday life. If someone's getting frustrated, you're not just going to go, Stop yelling at me. <laughs> and that's probably going to throw yeah. a bit of fuel on the fire. Yeah. So, hey, I understand where you're coming from. I can't have you yell at me like that. Mm-hmm. Or your behavior is is not what I'm going to tolerate type thing. But you got to kind of address it in a way of not being a rule book thrown in their face, yeah. is my approach. Be a human about yeah, it. Yeah, unless they're out of line and we've got to give straight technical or warning. There's yep. times that we definitely have to do that. But there's other opportunities in a game that present themselves that we can help de-escalate that emotional mm-hmm. part to it. I like it. I like it. Um, do you get performance anxiety at all? Yes. You kind of mentioned earlier, <laughs> especially even for your pregame, you're yeah. like, oh, stress for this pregame. Yeah. You do. Do you still to this day? Yeah. And like being, uh, well, first year on panel for the NBL, I guess mm-hmm. the kind of attention that's come with my debut game last season mm. and the whole going over to try make it into the NBA stuff. Yep has the opportunity to make it more stressful. Gotcha. Um, but I guess that's why I've got those the mindset stuff in what's, place. What's the help. number one thing? Sorry to cut you off. What's the number one thing uh, or thing that's helped you deal with that performance anxiety? My mindset training, definitely. Yeah. And having, I guess it's a, uh, an action plan for when it's going to happen. So gotcha. working on it prior to it happening. Gotcha. So almost um, anticipating. Yeah, like there's going to be times where... I'm going to feel nervous or anxious yep. and that type of thing. I now have a set time in my routine before a game that I allow that to come in. I Got allow you. myself to be nervous and then I shut ah, it up and I go, all right, like cool, it. reset, let's go. That's amazing. Yeah, I really like that, that you allow yourself to, to feel how you feel and not just suppress it down. Otherwise, it might come up even worse. Yeah, I'm pretty good at that in everyday stuff. Communication, <laughs> just chucking it in the back door, so I try not to like do that it. on the court. So. Yeah, yeah, interesting, interesting. So you say your mental training has helped you with that. And so just to clarify, what's the mental imagery stuff? Is that is that what you're referring to when you say anticipating? And uh, I guess it's more the... That's different. Yeah, probably self-talk. Mental imagery, uh, I kind of... The guys in the academy and whatnot that I work with is more... Mental imagery for me is my way of going out as a player and shooting 50 free throws to get better mm-hmm. at it. It's sucks as a ref we can't go out there and train and make bad calls to then know that this is the right one 
because every game we work, whether it's under rates or an NBL game, has value to the people that are involved in it. Mm-hmm. So another talk, like I used to talk about a fair bit when I was you know ref supervisor role is that under 12s game that you just walked on or that you didn't put effort into because you just couldn't be bothered on a Saturday. Those kids waited all week for that game. Mm-hmm. For them, that's their NBA game. They look forward, they talk to their mates about it, their mum and dad, they wake up excited in the morning and then you mm. just went out there and disrespected the game by walking or just not making a call because you didn't feel like it. Mm. So, um, Say that again. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I like it. Um, but yeah, I guess like we've got to respect the game. Um, you've got to have stuff in place. Self-talk is a big one. Yep. Um, so what I choose to tell myself, like if you make an error, there's no point going, oh, you're a whatever how do you, language you yeah. like to tell talk to yourself. Do you yourself. have one specific thing? Like, what do you say to yourself? It's just basketball. It's just basketball. Like, so okay. when I'm getting too worked up or too nervous or too anxious or I make an error yep. and I run down next job, it's just basketball. Just Ball basketball. goes in the hoop and I just need, need to make sure it's clean. Oh, that's good. Everything I feel else. like, I feel like uh, it's just basketball. <sighs> it kind of like, yeah, it takes away all this build up around it. Like, yeah. it's just basketball. It's a game mm. that everyone loves to watch or play or coach mm. or ref, anything like that, but it's just basketball. Mm. Um, so for me that's kind of my reset and mm. then I go back into my, my kind of checklisting process so running the lead taking a breath that type of stuff so I like, I like to reset and then rely on my checklist that I've worked on away from the game wow. to help me through that's amazing I really like that that's mm. really cool alright uh, next one uh, that I'm interested to hear about and I think will help a lot of our referees is how do you stay engaged almost mentally because when you get physically tired obviously you start to feel a bit like oh i can't focus as well you start to get a bit disengaged sometimes maybe a bit, a bit distracted how do you stay engaged in games that are so tiring like you're busting your ass in these nbl games and you have to be sharp every single play you can't go to sleep for one play yep <laughs> <laughs> like what what kind of things do you do to, to keep yourself engaged is it just the self-talk or you got to be aware of what's going on with yourself mentally as well. If you mm. feel that you're starting to be disengaged, you've got to have like you've got to have a reset. All right, uh, I need to pay attention to this play or the play by play is my type of thing in games like that. I've just got to get through this next play, mm. this next play, the next play, and kind of then you've done a whole game. Yeah. Um, like we had double OT in Illawarra the other week. Yeah, I wish that's that. a lot for that me. Was I'm so a cool. rookie. Yeah, I'm <laughs> I trying was not like, to. Jackie, not do me. Yeah, I'm trying not to make mistakes, and I'm gonna do it for two extra quarters at wow. like the top level that we yeah. have in Australia. So for me, that was all right. This next play, yeah. I'm just gonna make sure. All right, I've got the defender. I can see that I can work feet up. I've got the gap. Then I can so start you're just to judge super that. present. Yeah, just for that one play, mm-hmm. and then do it back it up. Do mm. it for the next play, and then it's kind of like a domino, and then when you it... get through again. <laughs> when it went into second OT, were you like? Hell yeah, hell no, or... Uh. Uh, well, first of all, I thought, like, that that venue was cool in a way that the... I guess it's kind of like when you're at Mackay or Rocky and that type of thing and the crowd gets really into it. It's, that's why I love basketball. It's enjoyable. Um, so for me, there's a lot of resetting that game. It's mm. just basketball. There was a lot of play-by-play, breathing, mm. self-talk. Do you do this... Yeah, I flick and oh yeah. yeah, that's probably more like after an error, so I like flick my finger. Oh, um, yeah. Or if I'm feeling too worked up my emotions aren't at the level i want them gotcha. that's part of my research so it's like yep. clearing the body up flicking yep. out of the fingers oh i like it um yeah yeah just little stuff like that and uh. it doesn't work all the time self-talk works more in one game yeah. or that works for a certain play or that type of thing or yeah i just need to kind of check in with myself and that type of thing yeah so there's a bunch of stuff <laughs> yeah i really like that because i was looking at something to the other day and it was called like anchoring or something and you just do the same thing like for example like flicking your fingers Hmm. and when you do that it anchors your mind back to the you know whatever you whatever you've associated to that action so if Hmm. you've associated get back in the game and and presence with flicking your fingers Hmm. then you do that every time you want to it's kind of like a mental like body instead of being mind to body it's like body to mind and it puts you back to like that state Hmm. so like coming up with something like that would be really cool i like it and it's, it's almost like when people do their free throw routines it's like i'm doing the same routine every time yeah puts me back in that same, you know, thought process every time, consistency. Yeah, and I guess, like, that type of stuff and having your checklist and, like, we... There's a lot of stuff we can't do as referees that players can do to help them stay engaged and not make an error or not turn over. So we've got to have those processes in places as referees too. I guess it's probably not... You don't get to see As much emphasis on that side of thing that I would like to see from a referee training point of view. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, that I mind, agree. that mindset, the oh. routines, the checklists, your your it doesn't even have to be an action or like you'll see before games when I start me coming together, putting my hands together. So I'll do it like subtly, but mm-hmm. yeah, hands together and that's me coming into the present moment, oh, ready wow. to go type thing. I love it. That's awesome. All right. Gonna kind of shift away from from this kind of section again. We're getting towards the end. I wanna go through I've had a few people message through questions for you. So the first one is Ange Irving, local referee from Marichville Clippers. Your hey, biggest Ange. bet. <laughs> Shout out, Ange. Yeah. Uh, she asks, what was it like the moment you stepped out on your first NBL game? Um, exciting, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, I like to not be overly emotional at trying to stay level, but I tried to really just take in that moment. Um, mm. There's a whole lot of hype behind my first mm. game, which I didn't expect. Um, mm. And I don't think you usually do as a ref with that type of stuff, but to just embrace it and, mm. like, one, I've achieved another goal or, like, yeah. I've got to what I wanted to do. Um, Milestone, check. Yeah, and actually, like, enjoy it and not have so much Wow, you were able to do that? <laughs> yeah, I was That's trying awesome. to. awesome, yeah, because, yeah. like, I find when I get into those situations, like, big game or something, it's like, I'm so, like, so many things going through my head, I forget to enjoy it, and then I finish, I'm like, no, it's gone, and I didn't even, like, take it in. Yeah. <laughs> so I, you took it in. Yeah, and I guess that probably is learning off other games and stuff like I that. Love Final it. series in Townsville was, for, for State League, a few years back was insane crowd. They held both the women's and men's final mm. series there. So it was a packed crowd, and I don't think I took that in and enjoyed it as much mm. as I would like to. Like, if you're a player, you're loving that. Mm. So I've got to... I learned that I've got to start doing that as well. So, mm-hmm. yeah, before the jump ball was a, like you're shaking, oh, like I'm, I'm, I'm on an NBL court. This is, this is wow. a dream that I had, a goal yeah. that I had, and, and I'm doing it. So, yeah. I guess, kind of like pat, not patting yourself on the back, but like, yeah, yeah I ticked off a goal. That's yeah. pretty cool. So, yeah. I want to enjoy this. I like it. That's awesome. Was your heart like beating through the roof or were you like fairly like uh, stoic about it all? Uh, I felt pretty calm. Like, I, mm-hmm. I know a lot of the work I'd put in was putting me in a position to go out there and do my job. Felt confident. Yeah. Confidence I, has never been an issue for you, has it? Uh, it, it is. I it think is? Internally, yeah. Yeah. I probably present more calm than I feel half the time. Yeah, but true. I guess my job that night was to go out there and just call my primary area. Mm-hmm. And so I was trying to maintain you know, all that kind of check. Everything we've just spoken about, that is all work I've put in prior to know that I could go out there and do it. Mm. Um, and there's going to be learnings and there's going to be errors and there's going to be that type of stuff. And that's all part of what we do. But yeah, just to kind of enjoy oh, yeah. it. And I, I felt pretty calm. I know that probably sounds weird. Like it's ah, your first game, awesome. but I felt like if I was too emotional, then yeah. I probably wasn't ready for it. Yeah. So... Yeah, yeah, I kind of backed myself. I was feeling pretty calm and just trying awesome. to enjoy it. That's awesome. Really good. Actually, little sidebar, little sidebar, it's just come to me. I'm curious about whether you do any certain like breathing exercises and how that intertwines with all of this. Uh, yes. So out of that training I did with the, the lady in LA yeah. was, yeah, as referees, we can make calls or just people in general. We can do stuff that's impulsive based off our breathing. So if you're holding your air up in your chest or whatnot, you see contact, blow your whistle because air's ready there, it's ready to go. Um, she taught me around breathing from diaphragm. Yeah, like low. Mm. So um, I don't have a six pack, but breathing from your six pack, yeah. like down there, and allowing your emotions to be calmed yeah. that way. Um, so then good. you can actually process stuff, and you've got time to let your brain mm. do the job before the air comes in your whistle. Mm. Um, so yeah, it was a. I, I do that quite often. So yeah. It, it, before every game, I'm doing it in my warm-up. That's part of my warm-up. Yep. Uh, when I make an error, when I'm feeling too emotional, it's a big deep breath. Cool. Um, you'll see my shoulders and stuff yeah. relax and stuff. That's me doing my big breath to kind of chill back out and just reset. And it's just basketball and that type of nice. stuff. So, yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Breathing through your chest is more sympathetic, more like fight-flight mm. and like stress response. And breathing through your stomach more deep is more parasympathetic, more like rest and digest, like chill, slow the heart rate, mm. things like that, and lowers your arousal levels. So like even for me, sometimes I find playing around with it, like if I'm feeling really tired, then maybe I'll do some like quick breaths just to get my arousal levels up even. Mm. Um, and then when if I'm feeling really stressed and tight, then I'll kind of take some slow, deeper breaths down low to really calm myself down. That's just that's just what I see. But um, But yeah, that's awesome to hear. Um, I think that could be a very 
simple like that's like breathing itself personally i find that's just i think we underestimate underestimate it absolutely it's, a, it's an exercise we can do i think that some people call it box breathing and stuff so true breathe in for three to five seconds hold for three to five and then out for three to five and do oh, that and yeah, yeah. The, I, the difference from my game that season that we spoke about in terms of mentally psyching myself out mm. breathe that breathing component made a major difference did, in the next season did you implement the breath just on the court in the moment or did you implement it like outside the game like, I had to do it daily to be able to do it started laying down then learn to sit up and yep. do it and then stand up and do it and then be able to do it in a game got so you. it's like a process got you and was it always box for you to, for I mean just as a simple oh there's a few different ones you yeah. can do yeah. Um, that one I, I find that one the best you like box yeah yeah it's nice I, and simple. I feel like then I'm controlling how I'm breathing ah, too yeah. like I've got a real connection to your breathing mm. and how you're feeling and that type of thing so. I like it mm. cool thank you alright our next question comes from the infamous Madison McClettic or Miklitich I don't know <laughs> don't hate me alright uh, she asks what challenges if you've had any did you face as a female referee and how did you overcome them? Um, I'm not sure that I, I've... I think things have changed a lot from how it used to be to, to when I've come through. I've only been in it for five, six years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just the, the standard comments that can be made and that type of thing and some of the really inappropriate stuff from crowding games and that mm-hmm. type of stuff. Um, I guess I've... I've not learn to embrace it. I don't think it's okay with mm. stuff that comes with it, but I can't control what people are saying. I can control how I'm going to respond. Mm. So whether I address what they've said and mm. go, hey, no, that's not okay, or if it's uh, somebody that you could say that to 50 times and they're not going to care, they're still going to do it, mm. um, just kind of move on from it type thing. So I guess I like I've always tried to do the work that it wouldn't matter if I'm male or female. I'm getting mm. the game based off my performance. Mm. Not There's con- never... uncontrollable stuff. Like yep. if people are not going to pick you because you're female, then okay, you can't do too much about that. But it's stuff like pre-season testing around fitness tests. I remember going to 20s nationals and we were told by our um, commissioner, hey, there was only two females um, mm. of officials there, yep. um, myself and another a referee. And we, the, the guy came up before it and said, hey, look, um, and was being really respectful and, and polite in the manner and, and his intention mm-hmm. was, hey, you, it's only you two. So if you, if you, when you get to the female level, you, that's all you need to run to. That's mm-hmm. the requirements. You don't need to do more. So don't worry about what the others say. Just mm-hmm. finish. And I just went, hey, yeah, that's fine, but I'm going to run to the top level because I want the top game at the end of the week. Love it. Wow. And he went, okay, fair. But for me, it's why, why do I get to run two minutes less because yeah. I'm female if yeah. I want that gold medal game, the boys under twenty gold medal game, yeah, I need to be working the same effort for testing and stuff Good like that. Her. So yeah, I guess that type of stuff. People's intentions is mm. right, and they're, and they're there for what it is. But I've never not run to the same level of my peers. Mm. And if that's the top requirement to get the top game, the only reason I'm not going to get the top game is based off my performance, not my work that I do mm. prior. That's that's a great. I really like to hear that. That's awesome. I think so. That's McCletic, Run to the men's level for NBL one next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come on now, pick your game up, people. Yeah, so I guess you never really did. Did you ever really perceive it as a disadvantage being female? There's opportunities at the moment with the world and and mm. the equality we're trying mm. to achieve. So mm. I've kind of tried to embrace it and mm-hmm. going, okay, I'm female, cool. I'm like, like ticking extra box, but cool. I'm still going to make sure I've done the work to get what I'm getting. I love it. Um, so yeah, I guess in a way, all right. Yeah. I'll take advantage of that. Or, hey, that might be another extra opportunity I get because I am female, so I'm going to take it. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. I like it. Our next question is from Caitlin Cross. Ah, uh, uh, the better cross. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> editing that out. <laughs> okay. Um, she asks, um, who's someone you look up to and why? Referee-wise or in general? Mm, we'll go referee. Oh, both. If it's quick enough for both, or you choose, whichever one. Go referee first. Referee-wise. Yeah. Um, there's a act that's probably a long-winded question. There's a lot of people that have helped me mm. or that I've looked up to throughout my journey so far. Anyone that stands out just comes to mind. Or you can uh, name a few if you want. It's up to you. 
Uh, I guess there's different people for different reasons. Mm. Uh, at present, someone um, that does come to mind straight away is Vaughn. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of now having the opportunity to travel and be in the NBL and kind of pick his brain on a bunch of stuff. Like, I, I know a whole lot more about NFL now from preseason and, and watching <laughs> games and not knowing what's going on. But yeah, just being able to kind of talk to <laughs> a lot of the guys that are in the league at the moment. But that advice, like the getting the game experience, getting. Um, that embracing that referee role mm. is a major thing that he's spoken about a lot that I've taken away from mm. him is to embrace that role and embrace the, the villain, I guess. Mm. Um, but yeah, he's probably one that stands out. And then like, I was really lucky in Townsville having um, Kylie and Scott up there to be able to work club games with and they were National mm. League refs and those types of guys and, and Tony's a massive one as well. So... Um, yeah, there's heaps in the referee space. Um, mm. And I guess that's kind of that network and support system I've tried to build and have friends that are also my mentors as well. Mm. Um, outside of refing, I mean, yeah, let's leave that one. <laughs> okay, yeah, no worries, no worries. All right, we've got five minutes before the recording will stop and I'll maybe have to make a new one, but we've probably only got five minutes left. All right, and that will be bang on the hour, which will be really nice. So... We're going to shoot six free throws today, Jackie. Shooting up free throws involves rapid-fire questions. Today we're going with NBA rules, so you get 10 seconds to respond, or it's a violation, and you lose. (laughs) Is this rule questions? No, this is just... okay, cool. I was like, I'm still learning that rule book. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, first question. What's the number one quality a referee can have? Good communication. What's one uh, habit every referee can take on? Uh, uh, mental skill training. Mental skill training. Having yeah. a checklist. Got you. What about a specific, a specific action? Is there any? Have a reset formula, like a something Love to it. rely on. Love it. Number three, NBA player you want to meet most. Ah, oh, that's invalid. Kobe was. Someone, probably a, uh, the invalid. <laughs> you can't I can't, I can't, uh, I can't meet him, unfortunately, mm. sadly. Um, yeah. But yeah, he was. I've idolised him since Got I was a young you. kid. A lot of his mental stuff too. Got you. Do you have a secret talent? I'm really good napper. It's probably not a secret for anyone I hang with, but ah. I can nap it in any basketball stadium at any tournament, any time. Cool. Um, getting booed. Do you like it or do you hate it? I embrace it embrace it yeah it's there's so gonna be times i don't neither... like it because i know i've made a wrong call but yeah. i also try to stay within the white lines mm-hmm. on the court mm-hmm. um we're gonna go one more um have you ever cried after a game no but i'm not very good at showing emotions got you got you all right i like it i like it that's all our free throws um we're gonna wrap it up we got three minutes here um yeah so Thank you so much for being on. Let us know where people can find you. You sponsored the podcast, so I guess people know where to find JD8 at. But uh, yeah, what's your what's your Instagram? How can people support you? Yeah, I got the, the JD8 Instagram. Anyone that wants to reach out or has questions or anything yeah, like that's probably the best. A pretty social around. generation, so mm-hmm. reach out, click mm-hmm. me a message. Uh, happy to chat or just yeah, connect with people. Um, JD8's there for me to to get to know and to work with Australian officials and it'll mm. always be there. So mm. that's kind of my uh, passion away mm. from trying to get calls right on the court. <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's awesome. What kind of things, real quick, just give a, a quick brief overview of JDA. What kind of things do you go through? Why should people get involved? Things like that. Uh, so that from, from an academy point of view, so I think so, the, yeah. the, the camps, which I work with associations yep. um, that just want a, a couple extra resources. So keep an eye out for camps. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then uh, the academy wise, we do a lot of, like what we've spoken about is the, the base builder of what we do in the academy. So we like set it. goals, we do our mindset, skill training, um, and then cutting footage and that type of thing. But Ooh. a lot of it is around that, trying to pass on what I've learned and what I've found has kind of helped me get to where I'm at six awesome. years into refing. Awesome. Uh, real quick, watching film, underrated? Yeah. Underrated. On a scale of 1 to 10, how important? Uh, very. If you can get feedback from other people, awesome. If you can self-evaluate and identify things that other people might not... No one knows what goes through your mind on the court. So if you can go watch a play and go, hey, I wasn't comfortable. I might have got it right, but I don't think my process was right. Yeah. You can go and watch it back. 
being positioning honest with yourself. or hey, I didn't get the whole picture of that. I got lucky and educated guess. So I don't want to be guessing. I want to get it right next time. So where can I stand and what can I do better? I love it. I love it. All right. Any last words, Jackie? No. Shout out to everyone listening and hey. to, to Nathan. Uh, hey. <laughs> absolute legend, but thank you for having me on. Awesome. How good is that? 59 minutes, 16. Pretty much done. All right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. And thanks for coming down, Jackie. All the best with your journey. You're inspiring a lot of people, myself included. And go get them. Thank you so much, Jackie, for taking out the time to come and speak to the referees today. Thank you for the support of the podcast. Thank you for being a stellar human being. A massive happy birthday also, as this episode will be dropped on March 11th, your birthday. So happy birthday, Jackie. Thank you guys for listening. Please uh, reach out if you have any questions and thank you for your support. I can't wait to hear from you and how you enjoyed this one.